Oh, hello everyone. Matt Will here, and this is the Zwift Power Up Cycling Podcast. And today we're talking about one of the world's toughest races, and it's one of the toughest races across all sports, I believe, not just on a bike. We're talking about race across America, or RAM, as uh, it's commonly known. And I'm here today with my co-host Rasan Bahari, who completed RAM twice. Welcome, Rasan. How are you? Matt, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, nice to catch up with you. Again, ca- casting your mind back, emotions that when you when you think about RAM, obviously it's a, a distant memory now, not not so not that distant. But um, what kind of emotions flood over you? Oh man, during the race, you have every emotion imaginable. Um, before the race, I was super excited. Um, and then right before the race, I was like, why in the heck am I doing this again to myself? <laughs> and then after the race, you're, you're definitely depleted. You're, I know for me personally, I was kind of like at a loss for words and also um, felt disoriented in a, in a, in, in a sort. Uh, um, but then, you know, you're excited that you actually completed something that most people won't do, you know? Um, mm. and so, yeah, it is literally a roller coaster of emotions to get from California, uh, all the way across pretty much the United States, um, to Annapolis, Maryland, which is where our wonderful Navy Academy is. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah, just to kind of round that off a little bit further. So Ram is, it's, it's actually one of the longest annual endurance events in the world. Um, and it's 3,000 miles, roughly 3,000 miles, so 4,800 kilometers. Um, and it runs, so it runs with with the prevailing wind, I'm presuming. That's why they go west to east, to kind of have the wind behind you. I'm, I'm so happy they do that because I couldn't imagine, you know, we go through states, for instance, that are dead flat like Kansas. And yep. the first time... I did RAM was 2018 and I went to school in the Midwest. So I kind of know, you know, the Midwestern states. I'm like, Kansas ought to be so easy to be dead flat. We're just going to roll through that thing. And luckily we had pretty much a cross tailwind and you're going, you know, 60 Ks, 60 plus Ks an hour for most of the state. But (laughs) then one slight turn to the left or right that, you know, that 25 mile an hour tailwind becomes a cross headwind and then you know you're struggling just to do like you know 25 k's an hour um yeah and so we've been lucky in that regard because i've heard horror stories of teams getting to kansas and it's just a full-on block headwind and you're it, it literally takes you like a day and a half to get through a state that should take you like half a day or a day yeah you know um yeah. so yeah I'm, I'm so happy we go that way as well now uh, one way of looking at it is same for everyone. So whether it's you no know, fantastic tailwind, sixty k an hour, everyone's traveling quick. Um, but it just feels nice, doesn't it? Going going fast with a tailwind behind you, just it, more enjoyable, right? So so much so, I <laughs> during that state rode my giant Trinity, which is their uh, time trial bike, um, with a sixty five front wheel from Kdex Whoa. and a full on disc wheel kdex disc wheel and in in some regard i I mean in some instances i was kind of like leaning to the side because of the crosswind but it was just so much faster you know you're spinning out that sram group set which is like a 52 9 or something like that or 10 whatever it is you're just you can't go fast enough you know you don't have enough gear so that is so much fun like aero helmet the whole nine yards yeah (laughs) brilliant 
we'll come on to a bit more about the the nitty gritty of of your ride. But um, across Ram, it's two hundred thousand feet of elevation. So that's around sixty thousand meters. So that is your Tron bike in one event. How's that for yeah. context? Seriously, <laughs> yeah. And and you know what's what's really hard. The first year, I didn't really pay attention to the elevation. I didn't really pay attention to. Um, just like what we were up against. It was one of those things. My my whole concern in 2018 was to get from point A to point B safely. I didn't care how yep. fast. You know, sure. I just wanted to make sure that we are safe because, you know, we are on open roads and there are often mm-hmm. times where your follow car per the rules can't be behind you. Um, for instance, going through bigger cities because, you know, we're traveling, I don't know, 30 Ks an hour cars are traveling 80, you know, and, sure. and so you don't, you don't want to impede traffic and all that stuff. So per the rules, you can't have a car behind you. So, um, I was really, that, that drove me crazy to think about like, man, you know, you could be in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden a, a big rig truck comes flying past you. And next thing you know, you're on the side of the road and no one knows. Um, so I didn't pay attention to, uh, like any of the things that could break your heart, like how much elevation is left to go until this year. <laughs> uh-huh. And then you realize how, how hilly it is. Yeah. Just oh, on that so safety hilly. point, obviously you're riding or 24 hours a day, so through the night. So yep. have you got, I'm presuming obviously in the night time you've got lights. Um, is, is that mandated? Do you need a certain number of lights or is it just a front and back light? Yeah. So basically the race happens in June. Um, so we have the most daylight of, of the, you know, of the summer. And so the rules are from 7 PM to 7 AM front and rear lights at all times. Um, they are pretty strict when it comes to not following the rules. Um, something like riding without lights can give, can get yourself an hour penalty. And an hour penalty is huge, you know? Um, And so you think about going across the country, I believe this trip we had four infractions, three resulted in penalties. So we had three hours worth of penalties. So theoretically you could be up on a team by a hundred miles, but once they add in the three hour, four hour penalty, you can technically lose. So like you really, it's really important. That's where like, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little more, but that's where your staff comes in play because the riders is just focusing on riding, you know, and oftentimes we forget our computers or forget to turn our computer on or maybe forget to turn our uh, lights on or because you just want to get on the bike and go. Um, So that's where it's important to have like a really good staff to make sure, you know, we can just focus on riding and they help us uh, focus on that riding. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we'll definitely come on to a bit bit more of that. And you know, the fact that this is, in principle anyway, a non-stop event, you know, the clock doesn't stop. You're free to, each each team uh, can strategize and come up with uh, your plan for when you ride, eat, sleep. Mm-hmm. But well, as we all know, time is money. The clock doesn't stop. So, um, yeah, and that, I guess that's what makes the event special is it's not just a, you know, a physical, physical, you know, leg strength feet it's uh, very much uh, a mental challenge uh, it's a team mm-hmm. challenge and i know you rode as part of a four-man team but you know this the solo category two-man four-man uh, even eight person teams uh, mm-hmm. mixed teams there's a whole range of ways to compete in ram um i mean the solo the solo category i mean like <laughs> mind <laughs> yeah yeah, the the just to do a solo race alone is is insane. But then you meet people 
um, like Alexander Strasser from, I believe he's from Austria. He's won Ram like, I don't know how many times. He's like 24 hours of Le Mans champ, you know, where he averages like 25 miles an hour for 24 hours. Um, No one really knows his tactics, but, you know, I heard things like, he doesn't eat solid food. So if it's pasta, they blend the pasta up and he drinks it. If it's a burger, they blend a burger up and he drinks it. And that that actually makes sense in a lot of ways. It, it may sound horrible, but your body, when you're doing RAM, goes through so many different changes. Number mm. one, you, you, from soon as you leave Oceanside, California, you're moving. Either you're moving on a bike or you're moving in a car. And then you're going through different climates, elevation, sea level. I mean, you get up. I mean, it's just crazy. And then you're going through different time zones and you're not sleeping. So like you could imagine after about two or three days, your body is like starting to freak out. So like the way you process food and digest food is just totally different. And it's hard to explain until you do it yourself. People like, Oh, I get what he's saying now. Yeah, I just ate like four meals in a row and I haven't even gone to the restroom. Like, where's all this food going? You yeah. know, it's, it's just yeah. super weird. Yeah. And also your, your gut has got to work so hard to try and digest all that you're eating. So if you, I guess if you could train your gut outside of RAM, I mean, coming into RAM, you need to have a strategy in place that's tried and tested, right? You can't just suddenly mm-hmm. go from having three normal meals a day to you know, liquidify and blend up your burgers. But um mm-hmm. Yeah, what a, what a chap. Christopher Strasser, just, just Googled him, and he holds yeah. the record, actually, for RAM. Average speed, 15.6 miles an hour, 25K an hour. Uh, obviously, that includes all his stops are factored into that. So, actually, traveling mm-hmm. speed is going to be way higher. For seven, all, almost eight days, he's averaged fif- over 15.5 miles an hour. What yeah, so beast. so put that in perspective. There are teams, there are four-person teams that finish in eight days. Yep. You yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I mean, this guy, you, you, these guys are legend. You go out for a ride from your front door, like a two-hour ride. Most people, I bet, most of our listeners wouldn't average twenty-five k an hour. If you actually factor yeah. in, no, comes to traffic lights through towns and cities. Stop yeah. for this, stop for that. I bet you don't average that speed. And this, this guy's done it for almost eight days. Yeah, yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely incredible. Um, just want to touch, Rasan, on your first and second Rams. No, we're going to get really stuck into the second Ram, kind of step by step, almost. But how did the first one go? You mentioned you kind of just went into it, just see how it goes. Um, yeah. But what kind of prep did you do before it? And I guess critically, then, what did you what did you learn from that first edition that you took into the second second one? Yeah, you know, been a, a professional bike racer where I predominantly raced on the road and and did some track some track racing. Um, I always heard about Ram, but never paid attention to it. You know, from 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 my paradigm, Ram was this stupid race, stupid people yeah. did across the country. <laughs> Seriously, it's like, yeah, all right, it's a bike race, but not really because like we yeah. don't have bike races like that. Um, and then in twenty. Uh, just, just on that side, you know, you know what? It, a lot of people have got a perception, and I, I would have done a few, couple of years ago with all these super long distance events. Uh, you just, you know, just keep your ride really, really slow, and just keep going for a long time. But you look at again, look at that stat we just pulled up. Then the speeds these riders are going—they're not riding slow; they're riding real hard for a oh, real yeah. long time. They are incredible endurance feats. Yeah, just to put it in perspective, um, the single riders leave on a Wednesday. And okay. the the team riders leave on a Saturday. A guy like Strasser and others that are in that top echelon 
we don't catch them until like the second to last day, you know? So it takes us, you think you have four, four people, you got all this horsepower. You think you would catch them within the first few days. You're, you're not catching them until maybe like mm. a, a day and a half left, you know? And so that just goes to show you how fast they're really going. Yeah. <clears throat> mad, 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 mad. But yeah, your, your, your first, the 2018 Ram. Um, yeah. So 2017, a, a, a long time friend of mine named Alex, uh, hit me up and said, Hey man, I'm working with this guy. And they want to do Ram and we're looking for one more person. And I'm not racing professional anymore. I was kind of still had some fitness and in a way it sounded easy. I was like, yeah, four people across the country, <laughs> no big deal. And I kind of went in it very blind, which in a way was a really good thing. Um, just that naiveness. Right. And, uh, yeah, I told him yes, right away. Not really knowing what I was getting myself into. And, uh, of course this is before the pandemic. And so we met all the time. We had dinners and beers and we talked strategy in person. We had our team come together and do like a mock like scenario of how we do bike exchanges. It was, it was mm -hmm. great, like really hands-on. And again, going back to what I said earlier, the, the goal was to get across the country safely. Um, it wasn't about winning. It wasn't about any of that. Um, I believe that year we finished, we finished fourth. So we, did, we didn't get a podium, but it was nice to get there. Nice. And one of the things that I missed from this past year is if you make it within a certain time frame, I think it's like right at seven days, you actually make the banquet. You're, you, you're actually racing hmm. to get to the banquet because they, they can only <laughs> allow so many people into the conference room. Um, so we made the banquet and yeah, it was fun. You, you're, you're in a room with people from all over the world who just suffered, you know, across the country. And, um, that was great. So fast forwarding to this year, uh, Alex hit me up again and is like, I want to do Ram. And I said, absolutely. No, you're on your own. I don't want to do it. And, uh, he kind of twisted my arm for a while. I kept blowing him off. Oh, I'll call you back. I'm at my daughter's, you know, track and field meet. Oh, I'll call you back. I'm getting ready to get on the bike. And I did that for a couple months. And he finally, finally cornered me and said, look, man, we really want you to do it. Are you down? And you know what? I said, you know what? I'll do it under one circumstance. Um, one, we have to raise money for a foundation. Um, mm -hmm. and I wasn't thinking about mine. He suggested, Hey, let's just race for your foundation. I said, why not? Let's do it. And then, uh, two, I said, I just don't want to do it this year. Like I want to win. I want to, I want to put together mm -hmm. a team that can win. And that's what we did. I, uh, I knew some riders that, that I, that I ride with right here in LA that are insane. One is actually a Brit that now lives in Santa Monica. And, uh, he's the kind of guy who wakes up on a Saturday morning at seven and decides to go ride, you know, 300 kilometers with one water bottle <laughs> and no food and can totally do it. So I was like, all right, perfect. <laughs> James, would you like to do Ram? Yes. Done. And then my, <laughs> my ex, my ex teammate from rock racing, Rudy, who's an all around great, great guy and, and really good rider. And there's our team. So we have, uh, two guys that have done Ram before and then two rookies. And actually Alex has done Ram three times. He did a first person or four person team with me the following year. He did a two person team, Ooh. missed it because of the pandemic and then back for four person. Wow. What? Two person team. Did, did he comment on the differences between two person and four, four other than the obvious riding a lot more, but the whole dynamics are going to shift completely. Right. 
of how he, the team he, works. He didn't, have the team. To, <laughs> he didn't have to come it because they didn't finish. <laughs> so that, that's how challenging and enough it is. Said. Oh, yeah. Enough said. <laughs> Good effort anyway. Um, so the obviously super hard event, one, one ride is constantly moving, but that means three of you aren't. What are the three of you doing then? Yeah, so, you know, Ram has been going on for 30 plus years, and there's all these different scenarios and tactics of how to get across the country. And, you know, it's one of those things where you don't try to reinvent the wheel. Maybe you could tweak it Mm -hmm. here and there. And there's, it's proven that on a four person team, if you can shorten those pulls down to say, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, and exchange every 10 to 15 minutes, you're going to go faster versus one guy riding for an hour while you, Matt, my teammate, sits in a car and follows me for that hour. Mm-hmm. And then you leap, you leapfrog in front of me and then we exchange. And then I come down and sit in the car for an hour. By the time I get back on a bike after an hour, it may take me 20 minutes to even get my groove back. So what we do, we separate our team into twos. And the only unfortunate part about separating your team into two, you're stuck with that one teammate the entire trip. You can't, Mm. you know, it'll be hard to switch because now someone's doing double duty. So my teammate was James, Alex's teammate was Rudy. And so from the start, I rode the first two hours out of Orange County because due to it's a metropolitan area. You can't have, you know, 60 cars caravanning. Sure. So you have to ride the first 40 plus miles unsupported. No exchanges, no feed zone, mm-hmm. nothing. So I have, you know, I got all my gear, I got spare tubes and all that stuff. And then we finally do our first exchange. At that point, I get in a car. James is now on the road. He rides anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes as I'm in a car following him. My car leaps frogs in front of him. And I get out of the car, I get my bike, I stand on the side of the road. During the day, you can do a rolling exchange, meaning I can get on the bike and start pedaling. James can approach me, we pass wheels, I could take off, he gets in the car, and we repeat that over and over again. Now, Are you physically tagging each other there or is you it don't need to tag but well no. but we did it for fun we yeah we, we would you know smack each other on the butt yeah. do a high five and yeah good and, luck uh, yeah exactly just go forward go hard uh, so at the same time the other two guys rudy and alex are you know they could be anywhere from 80 depending on the terrain 80 to 120 miles ahead of us driving up the road and so the reason they get ahead of us because we're going to be on the bike now for six hours that those are our shifts so we we do a shift every six hours so um james and i exchange every 15 to 20 minutes for six hours just back and forth back and forth back and forth and as you approach that six hours our team, the staff, the drivers, the navigators, they're communicating with the other team that's ahead saying, hey, you know, we're at mile marker 89 and uh, we should be approaching the exchange spot in the next 20 minutes. Um, So here's where it comes really interesting. You think six hours, like that's a long time to get ready. Mm -hmm. And maybe on that, maybe the first two exchanges is kind of long because you're still excited. You're not sleep deprived or anything. But once, you know, you're four days in, three days in, six hours goes by like that. Mm -hmm. And I'll walk you through it. So I've been on the bike back and forth with James for six hours. The other guys are in the van uh, waiting for us to get to the spot so they can exchange. Um, So we get out, we get to them. 
we all exchange staff, bikes, navigators, drivers. We take our food out. They put their food in, bags. Everything swaps over because the staff need rest as well, right? Probably more than riders because they're more stagnant than we are. So by the time first exchange was on when everyone's funny six hours in everyone's together i bet there's so much like come on Audrey, come oh, on yeah. oh, in. come on go 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 it's so much excitement and then this year yeah. was different from 2018 because our staff was really young and they had never done anything like that versus in 2018 we actually had mm-hmm. some people that participated in, and ran before so james and i gets off the bike by the time they exchange everything over to the cars and, and pack the RV, we've already lost an hour, right? So now we're down to five hours. We get on the road to start heading up the heading up the road. Meanwhile, while we're driving in a little RV, we're bouncing around trying to take a shower, trying to get some food in us. Uh-huh. That's another two hours. So now you're down to three hours, okay? By the time you get a massage or maybe put the, the, the uh, space boots on for recovery and yeah, finally yeah. come down, you, you didn't lost another hour and a half, right? So now you have an hour and a half to try to get some rest, right? Okay, and you've been driving the entire time. So now it's uh, you're five hours in. It takes us about 45 minutes to get ready. So now your staff is waking you up saying, hey, the guys will be here in, in, in an hour. So you slowly get yourself up. Uh. That's how you lose sleep right away. It's just no way to come down that fast from doing these six hour shift immediately you're going to lose three hours by exchanging and and getting food and getting a shower and getting a massage. That's three hours done. Now you're trying to get rest in the next two hours because you have to get up in an hour to get ready, get all your belongings together and get ready to hop in the car for the next shift. So that's when you talk to someone and they ask, how much sleep did you get? And you say, well, over six days, I got seven hours. And you're like, how is that possible? That's how it's possible. That's how. Yeah. Yeah. God, it's incredible. And even when you're on shift, so you and James uh, are doing 15, 20 minute stints. The time you get off the bike and get into the RV and you know, just chill out a little bit, cool, you know, your temperature cools down a bit and you, your heart rate settles, that's five minutes. Exactly. And then also it's like, right, you know, James has been going for 15. The last five minutes, you've got to kind of get ready to go. So yeah. you're almost not resting at all there. Yeah, and that's kind of the scenario. And, and we're using a small van. So it's mm. just it's just a driver, a navigator, uh, a PT person, and then the two riders, and that's that's our, pretty much our team for the entire trip, you know. Um, and so the van makes it a little easier because we have our space, like long bench. And I'll tell you what, by the time we got to like Middle America, you could be surprised, man. I was getting like some five minute cat naps between those like fifteen <laughs> yeah. twenty minute stints. But you're right. By the time you get in the car and and kind of sit down you're pretty much leapfrogging ahead in the van to get out of the car and that's really the scenario because you don't want to come down you want to keep that adrenaline mm. high so when you get back on the bike you can go full gas yeah yeah got it got it you mentioned you mentioned the team and the different roles that are playing there so let, let's spell it out we've got four riders yourself james rudy and alex mm-hmm. who else is in the team uh so as far as riders roles? that's it i know so, uh, in terms of um support support staff yeah support staff is big um the first year we had a pretty good budget and i think i'm not gonna say it was overkill but we definitely wanted to make sure like we were taken care of and Mm. that the staff didn't get tired you know um there are stories of you know the drivers getting tired and falling asleep at the wheel and, and running over riders 
So when, when we had our first meeting and even to, to today, I would tell you, if you don't think it's hard driving, following Ram, go get in your car and drive like 13 miles an hour for, for three hours and see how that feels. You know, it's, (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's it's tough. So, um, so as far as staff, you always have a driver, of course, and then you have a navigator and the navigator is probably the most important person in that car outside of the riders, because you have to follow the route. If you get off the route, you can't just, uh, like make a shortcut and get back on route. You have to turn around and go back to the point where you messed up. And so you could, you could lose hours by doing that, you know, and, and it happens, you know, it's just, you're, you're in places where there's no signage. Sometimes there's no cell phone coverage. So you really have to have someone who's knowledgeable about like reading maps, following, uh, the, the Ram race book, which is important, which is like probably like a 1500 page, (laughs) you know, Bible, uh, with all the rules and turns and all this stuff. And then you, you also have to pay attention to the race radio where Ram basically sometimes things happen. Uh, we were in Ohio the first year and there's a massive storm that came in and knocked down a big tree and we couldn't get around. So you can't take it amongst yourself to make your own route. You have to uh-huh. wait for the race organization to say, this is the alternative route. Take this route. Uh, and wow. you have a GPS. So if you go off route, that's rules for disqualification yeah. or time penalty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, driver, navigator, uh, usually some sort of soigneur or uh, or uh, physical therapist, and yep. then uh, maybe room for like a helper, um, and then the two riders. So any any van will probably have anywhere from five to six people in it, including the riders. Got it. And of course, each vehicle's got a driver. Each vehicle's got a navigator, and so it's a swanee per team of two. So you had two swannies, one per van. Yeah. Yep. And then also on top of that, you have like the RV drivers. That's all they do. They drive the RV. Yeah. And we yeah. had three RV drivers and they, they alternate. Um, we also had what we call, I call them a gopher, but it's more like an auxiliary person, right? Because it's only so much stuff you can bring. Um, yeah. To speak it, and let's put it in perspective for you. I was, I was speaking to the point where in 18, we had 19 people helping us get across the country. I believe this year we had 16. So you take 16 people in a very small RV, you have three cars. I mean, it's just people and stuff wow. everywhere. Um, yeah. So you, we really try to limit how much stuff we bring. Um, so, you know, our kits need to be washed. So we have that one person who has a car of their own. They're not really in the race. They can go off of course, they can find the market, they can go grocery shopping, they can go do laundry, they can go, for instance, um, I need it like Tylenol because I had a headache, I need a chamois cream. It's just when I when we need stuff, yeah. they can go get it and they're not gonna get in trouble for being off of the course. So every other vehicle that's in the race have to remain on the course. Yeah, got it. You know when you're really tired, I think most of our listeners would have been there, really tired on the bike and you stop somewhere, you often have really kind of weird cravings. I imagine those cravings are kind of intensified after oh, yeah. five days of riding across yep. America. What kind of what what was the strangest request your gopher was was asked of? So many, man. Uh, gummy bears, Haribo for sure. I was like, they got to be Haribo yeah. gummy bears. Don't bring anything else. Don't you know? Yeah. And then, but then uh, next thing you know, you're like, I'm done with that sweet. I need, I need savory. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. One day I, I got in the RV and it was like, hey, what do you want to eat? And I was like, I don't want any more pasta. I don't want any more rice. I just want a bucket of fried chicken. And so they found a grocery uh. store that had fried chicken. And I literally laid in the bed in the back of the RV with all of my chamois on and kit and everything. And I just ate fried chicken, like laying oh. down for the most part because I was so <laughs> depleted. <laughs> it brought me back to life, though. You could get, get a photo of that, and that is not what you think an athlete would look like riding right. this ultra-endurance event. Seriously. Slammed at the back of an RV, <laughs> chomping on, 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 on chicken. Um, yeah, great again, big big team supporting you then. Um, and f- we touched upon it briefly then, fueling. I mean, it's just a constant battle, right? It's got it to get, get the f- carbs down here by hook or by crook. Yeah, it is. And we were fortunate enough to be uh, sponsored by a, a new startup, basically. It's called Thin Energy. And so we had, when it came to hydration, um, we were set there. But also, this year, we had record-breaking heat. And you could probably translate this in Celsius, but by the time we got to the eastern border of California, it was 111 degrees. That's very hot. And as we went even farther into Arizona, it was 120 plus degrees. And so we were drinking Pedialyte, our Pedialyte, like it was like it was going out of style. Any any place that they can buy some, they bought it. And as I probably I reckon I drank a hundred bottles of it throughout the race. I've just Googled 120 Fahrenheit for those who talk Celsius. 49 degrees celsius that's yeah unbearable unbearable so that was one section during the race where we thought we could continue our 15 to 20 minute efforts Mm. it was no it was no way after five minutes your eyes are burning you can't breathe you know so those those 10 to 15 minute efforts became five minutes for 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 a long time probably about you know probably the whole i can't remember actually probably the whole state you know by the time the sun started to fall and we got into flagstaff which is at altitude temperatures went down a little bit but then you get that that heat and that cold mixture and they actually had to stop the race because uh of a wind a windstorm so that we had to stop the race and we sat in a a parking lot and the rv is swaying like anywhere from like two two feet left or right i mean it was kind of scary i never been in a windstorm before and so that died out and then we had to get back on the road but then you get like the nasty hot humid rain i mean it's just you're getting everything you know you're in arizona yeah. and then we, we left arizona into utah and it was really pretty from that point on wow that, that that's challenges and you've got to kind of pack for all these eventualities all these scenarios and mm-hmm. you kept back yeah so kit wise one, one minute you're in Shorts and jersey. Are you, you, you trying to wear a skin suit? I guess for the most part of it, you're in a skin suit, Yeah, right? so the first year I did do skin suits. Uh, this year, we um, my sponsor is Core, and uh, we designed a killer kit for, for Ram, um, which uh, some of you will be able to see under the Bahati Foundation's website. Actually, everyone can go to the Bahati Foundation website. So you can see the kit that I was designed there. And it was mainly, my theme was uh, graffiti. And the graffiti art has uh, encouraging words on it, like hope, faith, determination, and stuff like that. And so that's what we raced in, but we did not do skin suits this year. And that's totally my fault. It was complete oversight. You know, it's like, oh, of course we should have had skin suits. Yeah. But they made Next. they made everything else for us, top, bottom, um, really nice vest, 
arm warmers. We had a nice thermal jacket, brain capes, you name it. Anything that we needed, uh, they took care of. And were you using the rain capes? I guess, did it, when it hammered down with rain, was it cold? Yeah. So only, it, 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 we only got wet one time. And that was through nice. that Arizona wow. area. Yeah, so lucky um, because the first year, man, from Missouri pretty much to Annapolis, where you're talking about like seven or eight states, it dumped on us like nonstop rain. Yeah. You know. So think about this. You're riding, you get warm, your core temperature is pretty hot, and then you get in a car and you want them to turn the AC on because you're just bloody hot, right? Yeah. And then by the time it's time for you to get out, you're like, turn the AC off because you're cold. And yeah, then you yeah, get yeah. out, you're wet. And you're even freezing cold again. And then it takes you about, for me, it was taking me about 10 minutes to warm up. And by the time I was warmed up, it was time to get off the bike again. So that really plays minds, you know, tricks on your mind. And just a constant drain as well. I mean, physically, what getting wet and cold takes out of you versus, you know, nice, cool 25 degrees Celsius. Um, Yeah, it's just harder conditions to be be riding in for sure. Yeah, it's really Um, challenging. Yeah, big time. The... Terrain then, obviously some some climbs, downhills. How are you pacing your effort? Are you kind of looking at your heart rate or your power or what are you? Nothing. It doesn't matter. Feel. Yeah. No. It, at that point, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, there every now I did have a, a Wahoo computer on and every now and then I would look down and see like the speed or the power I was doing. Mm. And oftentimes it was like totally opposite of what I thought I was doing. I'm like, right. oh yeah, I'm definitely doing like 350 right now up this climb. And I yeah. look down, I'm, I'm doing like, I'm doing like 202, you know? And you just, you're just Fatigue. going off a of feel, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that's important too. And I think one thing I learned from the first year is, is uh, you just have to pace yourself. It's, it's, yeah. it's not a sprint. Like, that, it's not a sprint at all. And so it's better to get to the last two days and have like, all this energy versus getting to the last few days and can barely pedal, you know? And so I made a conscious decision that I'm not going to, you know, go 110% early. I'm going to save some, you know, I was going more like 85, 90 just to make sure that at the end, I'm not going to crack. Um, because in 2018, the last day I was pretty much worthless you know, because yeah. I was, I was the leader on the team. I was holding my team up. And so every time I got on the bike, it was like full noise, just <laughs> trying to go as hard yeah. as I can go where it doesn't, it doesn't really help you if you can't maintain that. So I learned to back off just a little bit, save some and be more consistent across the entire six days, which I did, you know, our, our last day, we got close to catching an eight person team, which fired us up. And everyone had energy, and I, I couldn't believe how strong I felt. You know, after after five and a half days of racing, I was really, really good, and I, I attribute that to, you know, being more methodical with my with my pulls. Yeah, and also the 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 strength of the mind. You know, as soon as you got that that carrot in front of you, you think actually there's something on the line to play for. Everyone raises their game. Um, oh yeah. And do do you have to? pull even turns i guess you can do whatever you like your strategy could be one guy pulls double the turn of everyone else you can do what you like right yeah you could do what you like um you know, like i said james is such an insane rider uh he's he's maybe 125 pounds you know five six and he could just go so we oh, had yeah. um we had one big mountain pass in colorado where it was pretty heavy, you know, it was only like nine or 10%, but it felt like it was like 
fifteen percent. It was just heavy, yeah. but it was super pretty, and I, I wanted some of it. I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely because I missed it the first year. Um, but he was going so well, he took more. He took half of that, more than half of that climb. I think nice. it was. I think it was seven miles. He did like five of the seven, and I did two, nice. and then I got the crazy descent. So there were situations like that where James was like, just let me do it. We're, forget the 15 minutes. Yeah. Let me get over this climb for you, nice. and then you take the rest. So we had instances like that where uh, he um, really bit the bullet and, and, and took one for the team, per se. Yeah, and that, that makes total sense. I mean, if you've got one rider on a team who's just a daredevil maniac descender and someone else who's a really nervous descender – obviously you played to your strengths type, type thing exactly uh, yeah and, and I guess towards the end then start out with a strategy everyone knows everyone's got a, a plan till you get smacked in the face right as, as Mike Tyson said towards the last couple of days how did the plan change anything fundamentally change or were you pretty well prepared and the, executed the only thing that changed was uh, unfortunately we had an incident with a heat stroke um, Alex yeah, Alex, our, our captain, um, it was just hard to see, to tell if you were taking enough hydration or not. So we get to we get to Flagstaff, uh, Arizona, right in the middle of the day. It's like 118 degrees, and he's complaining about a cramp in his leg. And you think cramp in the leg, no big deal, get some hydration, relax. All of a sudden, he passes out, turns completely pale white, and like, it was it was like stiff oh, as a board, and I was like, "Holy cow! Um, all right, this is serious." And luckily, we had really good staff there. Um, one of my childhood friends was actually our crew chief, and he's a Los Angeles uh, fire uh, firefighter, so certified EMT. He's been saving people <laughs> for the last five years out wow. here in LA. Nice. So he was there, and we also had some other people with some skills there that really saved him until the paramedic got there. Um, and so at that point, I'm thinking, wow, we're only a state away from where we started, you know, and we may be down to three people. So what we did, we made a conscious decision to say, you know what, Alex? Alex is ready to go back in. After they brought him back to life, he was ready to go back in. That's yeah, just the kind of person well, he yeah. is. And then um, we said, you know what? Let's just us three get in the van us three will rotate let's give alex the night off this he can come in at at two in the morning uh when the next shift is because it'll be nice and cool you know he should be and so we did that so for about for about four hours we rotated three guys which was kind of fun actually because three guys got two faces exactly yep and um yeah that was a good thing and he came back and honestly he was stronger than ever after that amazing yeah Yeah, i guess he's he's sat there thinking I've I've had that time out. I'm going to raise my game. You know, pull for the team. I owe them. Come on. Yeah, and he's that kind of there. guy too. Yeah, yeah. He he didn't want to let anyone down. I was like, dude, it's just a bike race. Like you got two kids and a wife at home. It's all right. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. Let's make it back. Yeah. Exactly. I, I I'm just going going back that that heat stroke. I mean, for ever, for anyone who's ever suffered or experienced heat stroke, um. I've had it before my, my, my skin just went prickly and just, just goosebumps and you have nothing left in your tank so to kind of come back from that without having the comfort of your own bed and all those home home luxuries yeah yeah, tough tough environment to be, be performing um, yeah awesome Masami. I mean been fascinating finding out all about your your RAM experience and I think it's probably one of those events that everyone who does RAM has got a tale, tale to tell you get to that the banquet that you mentioned at the end you can imagine some of the stories that are getting getting banded around. 
Yeah, unfortunately, this year we didn't have a banquet. You know, the world uh-huh. the world changed. Everything changed. And so, you know, the mass gathering was out of the picture. But they did do something right at the pier in Annapolis as we rolled in, like kind of like this fanfare. And the coolest thing to me was that, one, we got there a day ahead of schedule. So, of course, that was cool. Yep. We, got there in, we got there in a daylight, which was cool. Um, because some people, you know, they finish at like one in the morning. There is no one yeah. at the pier at one in the morning. No. Um, and this was a, this was a Thursday. I can't remember what day we finished on Thursday or Friday. So the downtown pier area was absolutely jam packed with people nice. and it really put us in center stage of people that didn't know what was going on and just seeing people cheer for us and want to take pictures and whatnot. That was pretty cool because it, it really brought cycling to them. You know, sure. and with this grueling race that we just did, um, so that was really fun to get to Annapolis uh, under those circumstances. Awesome, awesome. I say, good to chat with Arn and just yeah, respect really for your efforts on the bike, but also off the bike. You know, looking at the bigger picture, raising funds for your foundation, yep, and the Bahadi Foundation. Um, probably worth worth a moment telling people a bit more about that, Hassan. Yeah, I launched the foundation uh, in 2010, came up with the idea in 2009. And, uh, you know, I keep going back to the pandemic. Unfortunately, we celebrated our 10 years right dead smack in the pandemic. Uh, But it didn't stop us from doing the work that we do. And one of the Mm -hmm. big things that we do is actually donate bikes to kids in my neighborhood. Um, During the holidays, we also supply uh, holiday Christmas trees for them so their families and toys we do a toy drive because you know they want their family to enjoy the holidays like everyone else um, but furthermore and, and I think the bigger picture is that our whole goal is just to inspire inner city youth to rise above their circumstances and we do that through different programs after school programs we do that with uh, motivational speaking we do that which is simple donations um, and it's all about, you know, letting them know that they don't have to uh, be stagnant and, and, and remain uh, in, in, you know, in this area and, and they could, you know, rise above their circumstances. Uh, we, we do live in, an, I would say, a marginalized area, but there's, uh, there's still opportunity. And I think that's one thing that we focus on to let them know. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. I know it's hard. You know, I know you don't have all the resources, but you could, you could get out of this. But these are the necessary things you must do. You know, and and one that I like to say is just be a good person. You know, yeah. Uh, I think good things happen to good people. So, um, yeah, that's what we've been doing. We'll continue to do it. And uh, you know, Zwift is a huge supporter. Uh, Giant bicycles we talked about earlier. Um, you know, Corey is 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 doing our clothing where 100% of the proceeds. After, of course, our cost goes to the foundation. So if you're buying a kit um, after we pay for the for the kit, those proceeds go to the foundation, which helps us facilitate the programs that we do in the city. Um, And yeah, one day I want to grow it and and do work more than California. And uh, the goal right now, the big picture over the next few years is actually to develop a bike park so kids can have a safe space to ride their bike. Yeah, nice, 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 Rasan. And um, I always say to people who, you know, all the the type of kids that you're supporting with your foundation, and I guess the type of people who typically are on Zwift, the only difference between those two demographics is lucky sperm, essentially. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's just, you <laughs> know, it's luck, luck of the draw. Yeah. So I think anyone who's in a, a privileged position, you know, if you can, um, yeah. Do, do give back. I think give back is the right word in some way, shape, yeah. or form, whether that's you know, money or time or effort. 
um, even just participating in a in a ride for awareness, um, yep. whatever whatever the cause is, play play your part wherever wherever you can. But yeah, all right, Rasan, we're well, going to sign out, mate. Good to, good to chat to you. See you lovely, on the next one. Lovely, lovely. Thanks, Matt. Have a good one.